I had lunch several years ago with a uh, successful businessman in the Grand Rapids community, and that was a very enjoyable lunch. He's uh, an executive at a, at, a, at a larger company, and we had lunch together, and inevitably the conversation turned to church, and he had some questions about church, and one of his questions was, why was it such a struggle for him to come to church? Like, he acknowledged that there were often times that he would experience great blessings uh, being part of what God was doing in this place, but wondered why some Saturday nights, some Sunday mornings, uh, he just didn't really feel like being involved and didn't really want to come. He admitted that he often came simply because his wife or his children thought it was the good thing to do, and he wanted to kind of talk about that. Now, he was coming from, at it from a very... Uh, authentic per, uh, a, a perception and a very uh, a good conversation that we were having, he was convinced that it wasn't a spiritual issue that he was having because every week he got together with some like-minded, successful businessmen for a Bible study and fellowship during the week, and he loved that. He looked forward to going to that. He couldn't wait until that uh, day would arrive, and so it wasn't that he was spiritually uninterested. It's just that from his point of view, there must have been something sort of wrong with the church. And so we kind of talked about uh, this church and just church in general. And one of his struggles was, you know, things at church, they just, they go so slowly, they change so slowly. And he was frustrated in his workplace uh, he had lots of authority, and so when it was time to make a change, when it was time to go a different direction, when it was time to implement something, he could get things implemented more quickly and could move in a, in a direction, and, and church frustrated him. And he was the kind of guy, and it was a good trait, who always wanted to see things improving and always wanted everybody and every organization to do their best, and he would come to church, and often sort of week after week, he would get frustrated uh, because things were moving so slowly, and he wanted to know, why did church have to be so frustrating? Now, I wonder what frustrations you have with church. And what I'd like you to do, actually, is I'd like you to take a piece of paper and a pen. Now, if you don't have one, you can do it mentally, but I'd prefer, if possible, for you to write this down. And I'd like you to write down perhaps some of the reasons why being a part of a church, this church, is a struggle. Because it is. Let's not, uh, let's not gloss over the fact that what my friend was onto is there is something there. It can be hard. If you find it, and we all do, difficult to get up some Sunday mornings and want to come and participate in the church. What are some of the reasons that church is difficult? What are some of the reasons why it might be hard for you to get connected or to be part of what's going on here uh, or any church? But just take a few minutes and write down on the paper some of the things about church as an institution or this church in particular that make it a struggle, that make it difficult, that make it hard. I should tell you, you're not turning these in. You're not going to show it. To, you can be honest. God already knows what you think anyway.
right? Two, three, four things down. You may want to use the person's name if they're sitting next to you, if that's why it's a struggle. But what are the things that are hard about church? What are the things that you find to be difficult uh, for you when it comes to participating and being involved in this church or in any church? If you write down long sermons, that's fine. Just whatever you put down is great. We just want to be honest and just want to sort of think through the challenges of being involved in a church. I have my list. I'm going to share those with you uh, a little bit later on in the sermon. So how you doing? Do you have a list? Do you have a few things written down or sort of mentally that, about why it can be a struggle? Well, last week we were in Romans chapter 12, and we spent our time looking at this verse, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And we talked last week about how the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans is essentially a statement of how much God loves us and how God has demonstrated that love and how God has been gracious to us and how God has been kind to us and how God has sent Jesus to die for us, to give us eternal life and how God has bestowed his spirit upon us so that we might live with God always present with us. And what we said is, is when we get to Romans 12, we now have the opportunity to show back to God how much we love him. Now, we love him because he first loved us, but we do love him. That when you put your faith in Jesus, when you come to understand what it is that God has done for you, there is a need and a desire to want to express love back to God. And we said last week that God's love language is sacrifice. That when we choose sacrifice, things that are costly to give to God, that he is pleased with us. It doesn't restore our relationship with God. Jesus does that. It doesn't make God like us. Jesus does that. It doesn't cause us to sort of uh, be forgiven for our sins. Jesus does that. But we have an opportunity to give back to God through sacrifice. And that makes the Lord pleased. It's a blessing to him. Now, last week, we talked about that, sort of how that worked in the theology of sacrifice. What we want to do this week and next week and the week after is take some time and try to flesh out what does it look like in particular to give our bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, sacrifice is God's love language. Awesome. But what are some particular sacrifices that we can give to God? What are some of those things that we can do that when we do them, that demonstrates to God how much we love Him and that He is pleased with such sacrifices? Well, what I'd like you to do 
is take a Bible and turn not to Romans 12, but to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter 2, it's page 981 if you're using one of the church Bibles, one of the Bibles you might have picked up uh, on the way in. 1 Peter chapter 2, and for the next couple of weeks, what we're going to do is jump around to some other passages of Scripture that sort of flesh out and fill out what Romans 12.1 is talking about, which will give us some very concrete ways that you and I can present our bodies as living sacrifices to God, things that we can do that please God and express our love to Him. 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to be focused on verses 4 and 5. 1 Peter 2, verses 4 and 5. As you come to him, this is Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. See that phrase? Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. That's the language of Romans 12. The idea of giving to God sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to Him. So the question is, what exactly is Peter talking about? He's going to give us a very concrete way that we can make a sacrifice and give God something that he is pleased with, what exactly is he talking about? Well, back up a couple of verses to verse 2. Verse 2 says, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. 1 Peter 1 is all about coming to faith. It's all about how God has given us faith and how he's chosen us to be part of his family. When you get to 1 Peter 2, in verses 2 and 3, Peter jumps into this metaphor of babies. Now we have a family in the church, Justin and Anna Walls, and recently, a few months ago, they gave birth to uh, twins. That was a wonderful and beautiful addition to their family. They had three children already. Uh, two more was uh, their quiver was overflowing with blessing from the Lord. Now, uh, the, ten, the twins are a few months old. Now, one of the interesting things about the twins that kind of make sense of this passage is, is that even though they're twins, they each need to be fed separately which is, I don't have twins, but that seems to be one of the challenges uh, of having twins, is they both need to be fed separately. You can't just feed one and go, well, that's good for both of you. So Peter is saying here, like newborn babies, every single individual Christian needs to receive sustenance and milk from the Lord in order to grow up in our faith. And that's what he's talking about at the beginning of chapter 2. That after each one of us comes to faith, each one of us individually needs to grow in our faith. 
But by the time we move to verses 4 and 5, the metaphor has changed. And just like for Justin and Anna, when they received the news that they were going to be having twins, one of the first things they did was think through their housing situation. Anybody who's going to have a child or has children that are growing up, whether it's through adoption or biological children or whatever it may be, you're going to think about how do we house these children? Well, Peter moves from the metaphor of babies to the metaphor of buildings. And there's a reason for that, and that's because God too. When he thinks about people becoming new believers in Jesus, also has to address how are we going to house them? Where are we going to take care of them? How are we going to ensure that as they're growing, they're growing in part of this family and part of this community? And so verses 4 and 5 are speaking about the church. How do I know that? Well, verse 5 See where it says, you also? That you is plural. In English, we don't have a way to express you plural, unless you live in the South where we say y'all. But that's you plural. In Greek, it's very clear. You plural, like living stones plural, are being built into a spiritual house singular. So we're not talking about individual Christians being houses for the Holy Spirit. We're talking about how individual Christians, as we are growing more mature, we are being built by God into a spiritual house singular. And Peter is talking about the local church. Now he's not talking about church with a capital C, as if he was speaking about all churches or all Christians everywhere. How do I know that? Notice he doesn't say, we also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. If he said we, he would be talking about all Christians everywhere because he would be including himself. When he says you, he can't be talking about all Christians everywhere. He's simply talking about Christians who are gathered together in a local assembly, just like we are now. That people who pick up the book of 1 Peter, like we're doing this morning, God is saying to us, you, Calvary Church, are being built, even though you're individuals, you are being built into one house, this church. Now you can kind of imagine or visualize what Peter is saying. He's talking first in verse 4 about this cornerstone. That's Jesus. And you can imagine Jesus as this cornerstone that the builders rejected, but has become the chief cornerstone of a new building that God is building. Well, there's this giant cornerstone. You can kind of imagine this in your mind. And Peter is saying, you and I, we're like littler stones, living stones because we're human and we're alive. As you come to him, meaning as you and I draw closer and closer to this big cornerstone, God is taking us and using us to build one house in which he will dwell by his spirit. 
That's the sacrifice that Peter is talking about. But notice, he doesn't say, you're going to go and participate in a church, and while you're in the church, I'm going to ask you to do some sacrificial things. What he says is, becoming part of the church is the sacrifice. That the actual sacrifice that we are offering to God is allowing him to place us into the church. That's the sacrifice. That's why we began the sermon with you taking some time and writing down some of the things that are difficult about being part of a church. I didn't ask you, write down the things you're currently doing at the church that are hard. I asked you, write down the things about church that make you not want to come on a Sunday morning or the things about church that are a sacrifice or a struggle because church itself is hard. Remember what we said last week. The essence of sacrifice is that it's costly. I actually find this passage to be quite encouraging. Because sometimes we can think, well, you should love church. You should want to come every week. You should want to be involved in everything. You should want to feel like every Sunday is the best day of your entire life. Now, church is wonderful. Other places I've talked about church as being a gift, and it is. But it's also a sacrifice, which means it's hard, which means it's a struggle, which means it's not always something that we want to do. Not just that there are things we're asked to do at church that we don't want to do, but church itself, being built into a house by God is hard and it costs us. And this is a sacrifice that we are offering to God. Now, I don't know what you wrote down on your list as for why church is a sacrifice, but I told you I would give you some things off my list. I have three that as I was going through this passage and thinking about, why is church so hard? <laughs> it's wonderful, don't get me wrong, but why don't I want to get up every Sunday morning and come? And why don't I love everything about what's going on here? So three things came to mind when I was doing this exercise for myself. The first, for me, was the idea of submission. A little later in 1 Peter, Peter's going to talk about how in the church there are elders and that all of us have to submit to what God is doing through the leadership uh, that are elders in the church. Now, if you think about it from the building metaphor that we've been using, if I'm a building block or a two-by-four or some piece of building material, at some point, I'm not the one building the house. The builder is going to take me and place me into the house wherever it is he wants me to go. There's going to be some level of submission to where it is I get placed and how it is I get put into the house and what it is that I'm around and engaged with. And to be honest, submission is hard. This is one of the things that was hardest for my friend, my successful business friend that we're having lunch together. He wanted the church 
to look like his business. There were things about his business he thought went really great. And he thought the church should look more like the business. The way he mentioned was it should be more efficient. It should move more quickly. It should be more exciting. The problem is, God's the one building this house. And God has chosen in this house and in all of his houses to have people here who are young children, people here who are older adults, people here who have special needs, people here who are going through some really difficult times in life, people here who are brand new to the faith, people here who are struggling with something that's going on, all of which makes it very difficult for this church to change quickly. It's not designed to do that. If you're going to incorporate all of these different people and all of our different struggles and all the things that we're going through, this is not an organization that is supposed to be able to turn on a dime. I'd like it to be able to do that, but I'm not the builder. And that means me and you, we have to submit to what God is doing here. We have to submit to God's pace. We have to submit to what God is up to. And frankly speaking, submission is hard. It's a sacrifice. It's difficult. I mean, look what it says in this passage. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. I'm not building the house. You're not building the house. The elders aren't building the house. The staff isn't building the house. God is building the house. And one of the sacrifices and one of the reasons why being part of a church is difficult is it always involves some level of submission for every single person who's a part of the church. There is no one for whom this church is going exactly the way they want it to go except for God, because he's building his church. The second thing that I wrote down, that's a challenge for me, it might be a challenge for you also, is that of community. Now again, if you think about the building metaphor, uh, if you think about yourself as sort of a two-by-four, you think about yourself as a cement block or whatever thing uh, you can connect with, at some point, if you're going to use a two-by-four in building a house or you're going to use a cement block in a block wall, at some point that two-by-four has got to be nailed into the wall. It's got to be connected to the other things that are part of that house. Now, the problem with that is the reason you do it is because at some point that house has got to bear the stress of the roof or the weather, whatever things, and in order for it to be able to stand up under that stress, all that stuff's got to be connected to each other. But the problem is, that means you and I have to bear some of the stress that is coming at us from other people in the house. There's other parts of the house that as stress is being applied, that's got to be shared across the whole house. 1 Corinthians 12 says it this way, speaking about the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 26, I think. Do we have that? Other side. Hey, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now read that verse carefully. It doesn't say, if one part suffers, every part 
should suffer with it. Like this isn't a motivation to try to be empathetic or sympathetic to other people. What it says is, in the church, when someone is suffering, we're all suffering. And the point is, is when stress is going on, that stress is shared across the building. That's hard. I love Grace Beyond. This is the building project we're going through as a church. I thank the Lord every day for it. I see what he is doing. It's a huge, huge, amazing thing. But to be honest, it's incredibly difficult. The reason it's so difficult is because it's a huge faith-stretching exercise. And it's a thing in which God has called us to go on a journey with him as a church, but also individually. I can't get over the fact that after the first service, the number of people who came up whose lives are paralleling what's going on with Grace Beyond corporately, meaning God's asking them to do something that's very stretching or causing them to sort of have to move forward and really trust him in what's going on in their life, that's hard. And as God moves closer and closer to us on this journey, Satan fights harder and harder to stop him from what he's doing. And there are some pretty deep-seated things that the Lord is using this journey that we're on with him to root out. The problem with that is there's an inordinate amount of stress that people are going through. And there's some days that I walk into church or I walk into the office and my life at home is going great. Everything's fine. And I walk in and I hear about what's going on in a staff member's life or what's going on in a congregant's life and what's going on in a, in a, in a person, an, an elder's life, and all of a sudden the stress from their life now flows into my life. And sometimes I think, you know what, I just like to go off on my own and worry about my own problems. Now that's foolishness. <laughs> because when the stress comes and you're by yourself, it'll crush you. God designed the house so that we bear the stress together. But it's a sacrifice. It's hard that if everything in your life is going great, it's hard if you're connected to a community where, look, on any given day, somebody is going to be going through something that's stressful. And you may not even know it. You can walk into the church and just go, I just feel a heaviness today. That's what this is talking about. So the second thing I wrote down is simply the fact of community. It's a great blessing, but it's hard. It's hard that when you suffer, I have to suffer. And it's hard that when I suffer, you have to suffer. The third thing that I wrote down when I was thinking about why is it a sacrifice to be part of a church, the third thing that came to my mind was worship. Again, continuing with sort of the building metaphor, we're building a building or remodeling our building up on the Beltline. As part of that process, uh, we've hired an interior designer. The role of that interior designer is to take all these different spaces, like the youth space and the children's area and the worship space and the main hallway and all that stuff, and although they're all different, to have sort of a thread that ties them all together. It probably wouldn't work very well if we simply said to our high school students, design your space in whatever you want it to look like, 
And if we said to the children in the children's ministry, you can design your space whatever you want it to look like. And we said to each and every one of you, design the sanctuary whatever you want it to look like. And if every person who worked at the church kind of designed their office the way they wanted to work, someone would walk into a building that looked like that and think, well, this is chaos. Do these people have anything to do with one another? An interior designer comes in and says, okay, let's talk about what's going on in the youth ministry. Let's talk about what their needs are. And how can we tie that together with what's going on in the children's ministry? And so there is a unity that comes out of the diversity of ministries in that building. So it is with the church. That when we come here on a Sunday morning, if we asked each and every one of us individually to design a service, it would be chaotic. We'd all want to sing different songs. We'd all want to hear different sermons. We'd all want to have different testimonies or different prayers. And if every individual came to the church on a Sunday morning saying, look, I've designed my own service. Please implement this. We need the Holy Spirit as an interior designer to take all the different pieces that we have here and tie them all together. But the problem is, There's some things that the youth ministry would like in their youth space that they're not allowed to have because it doesn't tie in with the rest of the building. So too on a Sunday morning, there's some songs I want to sing or some passages I want to hear preached or some testimonies that I want to be involved that don't tie into what the Holy Spirit is doing that morning. And it's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice that not everything about this church or about a worship service is designed around me. It's a sacrifice that not everything is designed around you. There may be some elements here that you don't culturally connect to. There may be some things that are being sung that you're like, I don't know that song. I don't really like that song. It may be that that song is being sung for the person that's sitting next to you, but that's a sacrifice. I'd love it if every Sunday morning when I showed up, all the songs were songs that I resonated with. And all the testimonies were written in ways that I could relate. And all the people who were involved and all the things that were being said and everything was just what I needed for that Sunday morning. But you know what? That's not even possible. And the Holy Spirit would never do that. Instead, he takes the diversity of people that are here and he designs a service that is supposed to resonate with different people at different places and at different times But that means that sometimes I have to come on a Sunday morning and think, well, that song wasn't for me. (laughs) It was for someone else. So that the Spirit can create a house so that when people walk in here, they don't go, well, this is chaos. Everybody's just doing what they want. They can walk in and say, there are different things here, but someone is tying them all together. Now, those are the three things that I wrote down, submission, and community, and worship. Those are three aspects of church that make it hard for me. They may, they may be part of what's on your list. I was encouraged after I wrote those down. I, I didn't have them in that order. But after I found a passage in Hebrews, it was encouraging. Let me show you what Hebrews 13 says about sacrifice in connection with church. Hebrews 13, verse 15. Through Jesus, therefore... Let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Sacrifice, which is worship. Hebrews acknowledging that worship is hard. Verse 16, and do not forget to do good 
and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. That's the sacrifice of community. If you're in a small group and people are going through something difficult and you need to come alongside and share with them, that's a sacrifice. Verse 17, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. There's the sacrifice of submission. And here's the point. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices to the Lord. What does Romans 12.1 look like in a very practical term? How do we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to God? One of the very important ways is to allow ourselves to be stuck in here as a church. That simply participating in this church or any church is a sacrifice that we're giving to the Lord. This is an encouragement to me. Church is a wonderful and amazing blessing. It's a gift from God. But I'm grateful that God also acknowledges that it's a sacrifice, that it costs. This is why church hopping is so much easier than actually engaging and getting involved and sticking with what God is doing here or somewhere else. Because at some point, every single person will run into something in which you say, but I don't really want to submit to that. There'll be something, no matter how wonderful this church is or any other church, there'll be something in which the leadership of the church or what God is doing in the church is different than what you want to have happen. And every single one of us at some point is going to say, this would be a lot easier if I just went somewhere else. It'd be a lot easier if I just didn't go anywhere. That's because it's a sacrifice to be a part of a church. And at some point, likewise, there's going to be something that happens from a community point of view. Your small group may fall apart. You may be a single adult and think, well, there's not enough other single adults of the opposite gender that I want uh, here to be around. There may be something that's going around, a difficult person for you to love that God has placed in your life. It'd be a lot easier to just simply say, I'm going to go somewhere else. Or I'm not going to go anywhere at all. It's a sacrifice to participate in the church. Likewise, there'll come a Sunday morning. There'll come an event, a season. You may not like worshiping an arena. It's tricky sometimes. The audio may be hard. It may be more distracting. We, the projector may go out. There may be all sorts of things that make worshiping here difficult. This is where God led us to be. There may be songs or musical styles or cultural things going on. It doesn't matter what church you go to. At some point, something will happen in worship that is hard. That's a sacrifice. The easier thing is to run. The easier thing is to go somewhere else and look for something else. But the truth of the matter is, church itself is a sacrifice. There is no church anywhere in the universe that is doing church the way God wants it to, done that won't be a sacrifice for you and I to be engaged with. That's the point. But listen. Hear the encouragement of the Lord. 
the fact that you're here this morning, the fact that a certain number of us got up this morning and didn't necessarily want to come, the fact that we might have looked at some of the songs that we sang this morning and think, I don't, I don't really like that song. The fact that you think, well, I was kind of looking forward to hear from Romans 12. I don't want to hear 1 Peter 2. Whatever it is, you're here being the church, and what I've been sent by God to tell you is, thank you. He's pleased with you. You may not have thought about it this morning when you got up, but you being here today is a gift that you've given to Jesus. That he's expressed his love to you. And this is you expressing your love back to him. And he wants you to know that he appreciates it. You're not here because of me. You're not here because of the leadership. You're not here because of what goes on. You're here because you are giving Jesus a sacrifice that he deserves. When you look at Romans 12 and say, what does it mean to offer my body as a living sacrifice? You're doing it right now. And be encouraged. The fact that church is hard means that you're communicating to God how much you love Him. And the harder it gets, but the more you stick with it, whether at this church or if God places you at another church, the more you stick with it, the more you're showing God just how much you love Him. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But that's impossible without sacrifice. But from the Lord to you, you are doing that sacrifice and he is pleased with it.